It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Hello, it is the Go Birds podcast presented by Park Sportsbook and Casino. And I can say, Elliot Shore Parks, that we are officially the podcast of the first place team in the NFC East. Yes, sir. Elliot, how about it? Look, well, obviously it's, it's absurd that they're in first place, but... They went out to San Francisco, and we'll get into all of it, but they went out to San Francisco with, for all intents and purposes, knowing the schedule coming up, the season on the line type of game, and they fought hard, and they won a game on on Sunday Night Football against a a beat-up team, but a a well-coached good team. Um, It was was awesome, man. I'm psyched. So let me say this. We get a lot after the three losses or the two two losses and a tie about people saying the opening to the to the pod is a little too joyous after a loss or a tie. So here's <laughs> what I want everybody to do. Pick up your phone or whatever you're listening to, rewind, turn it all the way to the top, and listen to that intro again. Because that was one of I mean, look, I'm not I'm not gonna go too far, but that was an incredibly impressive win. I mean, you wanna talk about the definition of a team win, and I, I'm gonna Give Carson a lot of credit when we get to him. But the Eagles love to play the they don't believe in us card. Nobody believed in us, right? The underdogs. And in 2017, that worked. Over the last two years, I think it was just a little annoying because they were playing bad football. And maybe that's the case as well this year because they have been playing bad football. But nobody thought they would win that game. I used the term, I thought they would get mollywopped on the show, right? <laughs> Which was a random word by me. But, I mean, I picked them to lose 37-17. to 17. I did not think this team had it in them to go in to San Francisco and fight. And we'll get into the specifics. We'll definitely get into Doug and Carson, some of the decisions, some of the throws. But I think what you saw more than anything tonight was life. You saw a team come out and fight. And it wasn't pretty because they're not an especially talented roster. They were not playing an especially you know sharp team tonight, which was surprising. But they won. They won. They came out. They made the throws when they had to. They came away with turnovers. 
Carson, I thought, played especially tough. It won't go down as one of his best games, but these games, the games tonight are why quarterback wins are, in my opinion, the most important stat. Because you'll look at the stack sheet and you'll say, passer rating of 81, one touchdown, one interception. You know, I think they only had 170 yards passing. Anyone that watched that game tonight knows they don't win that game if Carson Wentz isn't at quarterback. He played tough. I thought he led the team of young receivers. And he and running the ball, though it was ugly to see, I thought really kind of like invigorated this team. So Carson gets a definite for sure, like props from me from that game tonight. Yeah, I'm so with you. I thought it was like a gutsy performance, especially, I mean, that O-line was patchwork. I mean, Lane Johnson going in and out of the game. You know, it was, it felt like Carson was under siege far more often than he wasn't. And yes, sometimes he still holds on to the ball, you know, too much. Sometimes, um, you know, he, you wonder how his pocket presence, how he doesn't kind of feel it coming a little bit more or whatever, but he made plays tonight, you know, especially you talked about the running. I mean, that's the type of stuff where, you know, and you wrote that really good article about it and showed how he hasn't been running as much. And the last two weeks we've seen him kind of unleash that a little bit. And it's made such a massive difference. I, I don't remember who I saw tweeted. I think it was Danny Kelly, maybe, but I, so I think he tweeted something like, there's no more demoralizing play in sports than a quarterback running for a third down conversion. Mm -hmm. for a first. And it's so true. Like those type of big runs that Carson had, and obviously not all in third down, but but those are, are big back-breaking plays for defenses when they've got everyone covered, when they've you know kind of got the play beat, and then the quarterback beats them. That was huge. And like you said, I mean, he's doing it with guys we never heard of. I mean, now now everyone knows Travis Fulgham, but the last podcast we did together, I asked you who when you said he was going to be mm -hmm. one of the guys out there on the field and and that was an the best throw of the night in the biggest moment just to, and and look the the first down to high tower a couple plays before obviously yeah. before the loss was a massive big time throw too and a big time play and you know it's kind of crazy to think that you know these two massive plays that are, are you know kind of season saving type plays were to John freaking Hightower and Travis Fulgham but you know that's the kind of night it was and like you said they found a way to get the job done with a, a diminished roster well this is what you saw at the end of the year last year right and I think for the first three weeks of the season my take of surround Carson with young guys and let him go to work was not looking good, right? The offense was struggling. Carson was playing very poorly. And look, he had accuracy issues tonight as well. But I just sometimes think when you just watch Carson, he plays his best football when he's the offense, when he is the guy out there, right? And look, Travis Fulgham, John Hightower, Greg Ward, you know, the, it didn't produce an offensive outburst for sure. But I did think Carson played his best game of the season tonight. And there was one sequence I thought really kind of showed the difference between tonight and the first three weeks. Uh, it was a third and nine play. I think it was in the fourth quarter, maybe about 10 minutes ago in the fourth quarter. He drops back. He throws it to Miles Sanders. It's low, for sure, it's low. But the ball jump, uh, bounces off of Miles Sanders' hands, incomplete. Uh, so, yeah, so that was second and nine. And then the next play is third. And, and it nine. would have been a huge gain that play. It, would, like, it could have been like have been a 20-yard gain there. It would have been a really big play. And and it wasn't a great throw, but but Sanders definitely but you should have, to have catch had that. it. You yes. have to catch so, it. Totally agree. That, so And that's what people were saying on Twitter, like, oh, it's a bad throw. And, like, trust me, I've pointed when Carson has made bad throws. That's a throw he has to make. You cannot expect Carson or any quarterback to put the ball right on the money every single play. Carson needs to do it more often, for sure, and it's hurt this offense. But that is a play Miles Sanders had to make. So it bounces off of his hands. 
Next play, Carson, you know, gets pressure, scrambles out of the pocket, dives for the first down. He's called a little short. They have to go for it on fourth. I thought a really good play call from Doug where Carson went to the line, backed mm-hmm. up. Everybody's kind of like, what are they doing? Then he goes back to the line and sneaks it. I just thought that really showed kind of like the toughness of Carson tonight. Um, to have Miles Sanders drop that, you know, a player you thought you could count on to have him drop that. Again, not a great throw, but he should have caught it. And then to still get the first downs. And then, man, that throw to Travis Fulgham, like, that was, if not Carson's best throw of the season, it's certainly up there considering the the spot. Um, it was perfect. That, it was I think it was pocket. that or yeah. the uh, the Ertz uh, overtime throw yeah. against Cincinnati. Those are the two that stand out to me. But I think this one was better. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what's so maddening about Carson and why he's such like a fascinating player to debate is because what we've said on him about about him on this pod for the first two weeks has been correct. Then he comes out and he makes a throw like that from the pocket, and you're like. Why can't you do that more consistently? Like, like the crowd that says Carson's a top ten quarterback with top five potential, like that throw, like gives you know, like that. That's what makes them believe that. And it, it's it, you know, that, it's a great throw from the pocket. Like it was huge. Um, good cast by Travis Fulgham. He tried his best to drop it. It like almost slipped through his uh, I know his hands, but held and on good, good, good uh, balance. You know, kind of keeping yeah. his foot in bounds and and getting in the end zone was impressive. It looked yeah, to me at yeah. first like he stepped out of bounds and he didn't. Yeah, but it just felt like tonight um, Tonight was a Doug and Carson game. I, I think another takeaway from tonight, and we can get into Carson more, though, is Doug came out aggressive. I, I liked going for it um, for the two-point conversion on the first touchdown. Uh, it's definitely one of those, like, if they don't get it, everyone's mocking him, but oh, they got buddy. it. Oh, buddy. Oh, <laughs> buddy. So it's a great call. But, I mean, hey, man, if Nick Foles drops the Philly special, everyone's you know, mocking totally. them too, right? Hey, so, and look, it, it played a role. I mean, it, it it kept them kind of in an advantageous position throughout the game when they were down six, so they could do the two field goals, obviously end up getting a touchdown and putting them up by uh, forcing the Niners to have to go for that two-point at the end, you know, instead of kicking an extra point to make it a three-point game. Like, there were multiple instances where that, that, that two-point conversion can kind of be pointed to as a, a difference maker. Yeah, and I, I thought that Doug early on – um, had a really, really nice game plan. I thought there were definitely plays to be made. And we've talked about it, you know, Sean McVay, you watch that offense and you say, why can't Doug make those type of calls? Uh, Kyle Shanahan tonight had a few drives where you could tell he like pulled out the big boy plays and was like, all right, we're just going to go down the field and score. I thought Doug had some really nice play calls early on. I thought the touchdown run by Carson Wentz from 11 yards out, um, maybe Carson you know, just decided to keep that, or I don't know if it was the play call, but I thought that was a really good play. I mean, Carson basically went in untouched, and then the two-point conversion worked really well as well to give him an 8 nothing lead. Uh, the other part of the game where I thought he was nice and aggressive was when he went for it on fourth and one uh, midway through the fourth. I think they were about – they're on the 31, so you could argue kicking there. They were uh, they were down I think it was the 34, actually. It was a little further back. It was like a, I think yeah. it was a, a 55-yard field goal, so maybe even further back, 53-yarder. So I agree with you. I thought that was the right call there. But it's definitely a call where I think you could have argued kicking the field goal. Sure, for sure. sure. I mean, because you know, you, you then make it a field goal game instead of being down six. But no, I, I thought I thought Doug was great. Uh, I'm trying to think of other. There were a few other moments he had. Well, the fourth and four, which we talked about, um, definitely got conservative towards the end there, like on the uh, on the um, possession after running the ball yeah. at the end and putting it back. Uh, look, um, I. I I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it. I thought, look, he did roll Wentz out there. He was seeing if there was something there. The Niners just read it immediately. There was really no play to be had. 
I'd rather they do that than make a, a big mistake in that spot. And again, it's not like they have receivers or guys right now, uh, you know, other than Ertz who is double covered, you know, so much during the game that you, you didn't really feel like there was someone you trust trying to, to make a big play to in that spot. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't like, I would have understood it if he, if he tried to make something happen, I would have supported aggressiveness, but I wasn't upset about it. And I mean, and look, you know, you're, you're in that position forcing CJ Beathard to have to go 90 yards to beat you. And, and he didn't, he didn't, even though you, know, you wonder, you wonder what could have happened if CJ Beathard started the game. <laughs> yeah. little eons better than Nick Mullins, who certainly did everything he could to help the Eagles win. Um, certainly not the guy we, we were concerned about heading in. Um, but I, I was all right with it. And I, and I agree with you on the whole, I thought for the most part, Doug had a really good game and, it is interesting. It does seem like Doug, the last couple years certainly, that you know his most creative play calling has come out when he's got these kind of you know nobodies to work with, and he's just trying to scheme things up and make something work and get guys open however he can. And and I thought it worked really well. A couple of those plays to Richard Rogers, I thought were really inventive, cool plays that got yeah. him wide open for a few plays. Uh, there were a few spots where Doug, and again, I, I, these are minor critiques where he's keeps going away from running Sanders more for like long stretches of time. I think there were like at one point, someone tweeted was like 17 plays without yep. a Sanders run. Rude tweeted that, yeah. Which, 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 you know, that's too long. I mean that he does get into those ruts, but I thought on the whole, it was a really nice game for, for Doug as well as Carson. And again, you, you can't hammer home enough that yes, Travis Fulgham made a really nice play. John Hightower had a, had a couple nice catches, but they went into San Francisco and beat this Niners team with, literally nobody at wide receiver it yeah. is unbelievable and with richard rogers as your second tight end you don't even have goddard you know you're supposed to have the strengths of the team and and i mean let's just be real the backup running back situation is not this uh awesome as any of For us sure. thought i mean boston scott looks like he's lost a a gear or something and clement just looks like he has ever since he looks like a full back, super Bowl. honestly he does you're right he really does so, uh, you know, with, with the, the talent that was out there, I just think they really got the most out of it, both Carson and Doug. Well, it's interesting that this team seems to play their best, not only when their backs are against the wall, which I think is a good quality. And I, think, I don't think that's something we should overlook. Like, there had been talks about this team cratering. There, I, you know, I, I've said it. Like, they did not come out and fight the first few weeks, right? I thought that they played bad, like, uninspired football. I thought they fought tonight. I think that's important when you talk about, like, Doug – quote unquote, losing the locker room or, you know, kind of going down that path. So that's definitely important. But why do you think it is that this team plays their best football when they simplify things? Like, I I can't decide if that's a good or a bad thing. So on one hand, I'm like, if it gets good results and they won tonight, now they only scored uh, 20 or 18 points. Well, but yeah, defensive touchdown, you're right. 18 points on offense. So, but, um, but look, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just Carson I, plays better than? Yeah, I, mean, like- I think that's probably the easiest inference to make based on what we've seen the last two years, the last four games last year and, and so far this year in these situations. I look, and it does, Carson is clearly whatever it is, and that's why I still stand by the the first few games, my critiques of Doug of not putting him out in space more and, and letting him kind of freelance because – Whatever it is, and, and it just doesn't maybe fit the confines of, of normal, you know, West Coast offense type yeah. stuff. But Carson is just better when he's out doing these things. Like, even he's more accurate. He's a better thrower. Like, he just looks so much more comfortable when he's got these, 
you know, kind of in the moment decisions to make and he just kind of lets loose and plays football. It seems like anytime he's being forced to kind of try and run the offense in the traditional, you know, sense, it, it, it seems to, you know, kind of implode. So I quick, quick, I, quick, quick side question. Yes. If I could tell you, you could start next week's game against the Steelers with Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, Deontay Burnett, and, uh, you know, the guys they played with tonight, or Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, wow. and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who would you pick? It's a great question, and I, I love where your head's at with this because it is a um, it's a really interesting question. I know exactly where you're going, and this, of course, coming from someone who has long advocated that the Eagles made a big mistake bringing these guys back and that they should have went with the younger wide receivers, and, and it's hard to argue with that now, Elliot, right? I mean, it's hard so to argue. I think I would pick the young guys. Like, just stay out, Deshaun. Tell. Stay out, Alshon. Like, we're good. And that's crazy because these guys are nowhere near as talented as those guys. Certainly not as Deshaun and, and what he could do. But, you know, that's just what it is. Plays better. He, he just, just does. The, I, he does. The, again, I said it. I'm with you. I agree. I would pick Fulgham. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's crazy. Well, time. and I think this is why, like, I like the idea of going with young guys in the draft. They just got the one wide receiver in the first like two rounds. That oh, got hurt. The other well, yeah. like, I mean, Elliot, I, mean, I made you know. a, I, one of the things that is in my notes for the show is just I go, I have Ayuk play because obviously that play it was, was unreal, special. And then I'm like, Ayuk, Jefferson, Chenault, Lamb. And it's just like, and obviously they would have had to trade up for Lamb. But again, I like what I've seen from Jalen Rieger. But you look at those four guys and you're like, wow. I mean, particularly looking at like Jefferson and what he's done and Ayuk and what that guy could do athletically yeah. and Lamb, two touchdowns. It's just like, man, this looks like it's going to be a pretty epic class. And, you know, I'm not saying Rager can't be good. Again, I like he's he's impressed me more than I expected him to, obviously, considering how much I wanted Jefferson in the moment. But it's hard not to great. see yeah it's hard to like if i have to project outcomes based on what we know so far of what we've seen from rager and the injuries and everything we've seen like i just don't see a lot of timelines where he's better than justin jefferson you know or Ayuk for that matter you know so mm -hmm. it's it's less than ideal elliot so do you think do you think this is a game carson can use to to get something going cuz also like let's be real i mean prior to that travis fulgham like, and he played tough. He played gutsy. I'm not taking anything away, away from him. I mean, his quarterback rating was, like, you know, in the 60s for most of this game. So, do, do you think, like, what? Do you, how do you think Carson, can you think he builds off this? Do you think this uh, I do. I do. I, and, look, we certainly hope he does. I do. But at the same time, again, I think that, if, to your point about the pass rating and before the touchdown and all that, I mean, these guys, he's out there with nobody. I, I mean, it's, and again, an offensive line that was – really struggling to protect him. I, I just, I don't know what any quarterback could have done much more than what he did. Yes, there were some bad plays. Obviously, the interception was uh, just another example of him trying to do too much and, you know, not just throwing the ball away. And there were a couple of those spots where, and granted, one time, uh, you know, the play that, that didn't end up being a play but was an unbelievable play by Carson Wentz that obviously they, you know, they took the first down. I thought it was the right call to take that. Um, but you know, that play, I was like, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. Well, all right. Awesome. But for the most yeah. part, you know, there were those plays where I thought he should have thrown the ball away a little quicker or whatever. And he still is a little, you know, it almost feels, I think I saw Joe Gilio tweet this and it was an interesting thought that 
that Wentz still feels like he has the same athletic ability to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of make a last second move like he did in 2017 and he, and he can't do it at the same level that he was. And it's kind of causing him to maybe make, you know, wait a second too long or whatever. I thought that was an interesting thought and I could see that, but ultimately considering what was around him and the, the, you know, just total lack of guys open and making plays. I I thought he really did get the most out of the group tonight that he could, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the tough part about that is, and you know, we texted throughout the game and I was saying there's certain plays where you see pressure come and you're like, how does he not see that? Right? Like I think it was late in the game. He got either sacked or uh, he might've gotten the ball off, but he, um, he, there was someone coming and he's just standing there and, you know, like, obviously it's easier for me to see it on the TV, but he should be able to feel that, you know, coming in, in his fifth year. Tonight, there were times, though, when I thought, you know, I almost can't blame him for, like, taking that extra second and a half because, you know, you come into a game. You just trying to, win, to make you, something happen. Yeah, you know it's on you. I mean, the difference is when he does these things when, like, the ball's moving, they're getting down the field and he throws that pick against the Rams, right? Like, that's when you're like, what are you doing? Um, I even thought the interception early on, like another example, like, bro, just throw the ball away or like, or like just go down. Right. I mean, that interception, he's like ducking and diving in the pocket and then you're raising your arm to try to throw it and then it gets tipped. And then that's how the interception happens. He also gets a lot of passes tipped for a quarterback that's six, five, like it, I'd have to look up the stats, but it just feels like his passes get tipped more than you would think. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the balance and it's what Wentz talks about at times of like wanting to do something for the team, but also needing to be smart. And I thought tonight was a night where you could kind of go on the little more of a reckless side, just given the situation. But yeah, again, I'll, I'll just kind of, I guess, end the Wentz talk with what I started with, which is this is why quarterback wins is an important stat. And I know that like the analytical Twitter crowd will be like, oh, it's not blah, blah, blah. But like, this is why, this is why Carson controls the game the most. Carson's the one that set the attitude on the offense. Wasn't always pretty. But he got the win, and I thought Carson like deserved that win tonight. I mean, he that is like a win he deserves on his record. Twenty minutes in, and it is uh, our our fault that we have not given some props to the defense as well. I know they made a little. Uh, sc- that's what yeah, I wanted to get. Yeah, into. a little scary. Uh, well, that's that's what I'm doing. I got you, brother. That's what I'm here for. Uh, obviously, a little scary at the end that that first C.J. Beathard drive like a knife through butter, and you're like, whoa, buddy. And then you know at the end made it scary, but ultimately clamped down when needed to. The defensive line, as they point out in the broadcast all night, was. Was just awesome. Really, a, a strong performance. Derek Barnett sightings, Jannard Avery sightings, Elliot, yeah, uh, Malik Jack, <laughs> Malik Jackson played well. Uh, you know, Cox was in and out, but made some plays. Uh, Brandon Graham making some plays, especially at the end. That big um, hit on uh, on Bethard. Um, what do you think of the defense? And again, some big spot, big stops when they needed it earlier as well. What do you think of the performance from the defense? And and more importantly, is this something? Because look, uh, you know, we all know the situation they're in offensively. Even if they get some guys back, they're a they're a beat up offense. And and maybe Carson Wentz can continue to to build on this. And hopefully, I believe he can build on this and and you know, kind of lift some guys around him. But if this team is truly going to compete for for a division title, which again may be easier than you're only four, you're only yeah, four maybe maybe easier than than other years or whatever, um, the defense is going to have to be the strength of the team. I think that's a fair thing to say, or at least a a big strength of the team. Um, so what you saw tonight and and what it means moving forward for the defense. Well, I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves. A big part of the reason the offense, the Nick defense, Mullins. Tonight, is Nick look, Mullins. 
And you know what's funny is all week uh, you texted me that stat and I was like dropping it when talking to people like Nick Mullins and Patrick Mahomes first two quarterbacks to reach 14 touchdowns and 2,500 yards or something like that in nine games. Like some absurd stat that compared him to Patrick Mahomes. And look, Nick Mullins was good leading into tonight. Like he had been good. There's no getting around that. So I think it's a combination of two things. One, we talked about on the preview pod, this was the best offensive line they have gone against. And this was a real chance to show that they can be a dominant defensive line. They showed that tonight. As bad as Nick Mullins was, I think they definitely deserve credit for shaking him off his spot early on, right? making it so you could tell he felt uncomfortable, and he completely collapsed. He completely collapsed. Now, you're talking about reasons to be optimistic going forward. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson, like these guys that they have these next two games are going to collapse like that. So that is one thing to take away from tonight. Nick Mulder was very bad. I, you know, I don't think C.J. Beathard coming in and moving right up and down the field at the end, like I don't think if he starts a game that the 49ers no. win. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that, a, that Jim Schwartz to... is – Historically, right. I mean, that's what we all know. These Jim Schwartz defenses in these situations are are pretty easy to bend and once in a while break as well. Right. So I like that's one thing to certainly take from this. But the the defense was the defense was really really good. I mean, they forced three turnovers. Tonight. Yeah. They first done in the finally. first few weeks. And I mean, you know, I kind of respect the decision by Kyle Shanahan. Like, if you throw the ball right to Alex Singleton uh, like that, like, one of you the, it go, was buddy. one of the, I mean, that was one of the all time. Worse. It was like literally it was, right to him. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was like it, it was like Alex Singleton was his receiver. It, it was crazy, and there was and there wasn't a receiver anywhere close. I mean, that was yeah. that was one of those ones you'll remember. Yeah. Well, and the the funny part about it, so it's after the tra- Travis Fulgham touchdown, um, and the game was certainly not put away by any stretch of the imagination. But they score that touchdown, and you're kind of like, oh well, this this game's over. Like mm-hmm. you know, that was just kind of like a. Icing on the cake. Like wow, I'm they're, already they're gonna... thinking about my first place Eagles yeah. tweet. I'm getting yep. ready. Yes, sir. So, but it ended up being huge, obviously, because without that yeah. touchdown, yes. you know, and who yeah. knows how things play out differently. But well, uh, I'll tell you, my butt was tight towards the end there, Elliot. I'm not gonna lie. I was definitely well, sitting. I at one point I just had my head in my hands, and I was like, "Don't do this. You can't do this to me. You cannot do right. this to me. You cannot do this to me." That's what I was saying. Well, so let me ask you, and I was I was afraid to tweet this because sometimes with like game strategy, if you tweet something and then everyone pounces on you, like, oh, you idiot, like blah blah. Like, I don't, that's not that's not what I need on my. Well, for, night, I love I love the idea that you're afraid to tweet something, yet we're willing to tweet it at a home run in a major league ballpark off major league well, pitcher. But continue. I mean, that's just, yeah, people <laughs> still tweet me about that. But um, so didn't you think it was a little confusing that Niners kept throwing it to the middle of the field? Like, am I missing? Yeah, I know. I I know they were taking what it was given them. And I guess that honestly, that's probably something you give Jim Schwartz credit for that. That's absolutely what the defense wanted them to do. Right. But yeah, they were definitely just taking it. It just, it surprised me that they, I mean, they, they burned so much time. Like it, you know, it was like 10 seconds between each play. Um, yeah, I mean, when they when they started to get down, I was like, this is this is not looking good. I mean, honestly, even when they threw it in the end zone, uh, you know, those are hard passes to complete, clearly. But I was like, I oh, mean, I can just see George Kittle coming down with this one. But they didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, well, Deep especially because it bounced up in the air a few times, and it was like, it was scary. It was scary. And look, uh, shout out to the turnovers. Those were much needed. And again, I think that's the kind of stuff we're going to have to see more of. Uh, you know, that's how, you know, teams that maybe aren't as good as their competition, which I think is going to be the case for, 
you know, a good portion of the schedule coming up. Certainly these next two games, I think, you know, most people would say that even despite tonight's win against the Niners, that the Ravens and the Steelers have a better team than the Eagles. Like you need those types of things. That's how you beat teams better than you. You you create turnovers. You make plays on defense, and and, and you take care of the ball. And I mean, you take Chris care of the, the ball. One interception, but outside of that, I mean, he was averaging two a game. So you know him. He cut his. Well, it is pretty that. wild. The the seven interceptions already. You know, the same as the last three years is is pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, that's. And I, look, I think that the seven interceptions is an unrealistic number. I mean, for as much as he throws it, like I mean, he led the league and dropped interceptions last year. So I I, I don't think. Like, he's done a good job of not having interceptions. I don't think he's been a quarterback like that's especially conservative with the ball and especially good at, like, protecting it. I think he's just been somewhat lucky. But regardless, the fact that he has seven already is is definitely, for sure, concerning. But the other thing, you know, you mentioned Jannard Avery at the top. But, look, the interception Rodney McLeod had, if I remember correctly, it was Avery that got in on him and created that pressure. It was. So, you are correct. You know, the, the, the sack he had was a bit of a blown play. And, look, he made the play when it was there to be made. But Avery came in and did that. And then also the um, strip cla- the strip sack by uh, Craven LeBlanc. I mean, that was a great call by Jim Schwartz. So for him to come in and do that um, – you know, I said on the uh, on the pregame show that if you're looking at reasons to be optimistic moving forward, and this was before they won the game, I thought the defense was one of them. Like, I know that against the Rams, they weren't great, but, you know, in week one, I thought they were pretty good. Against Cincinnati, they gave up 23 points in, you know, 70 minutes or whatever it was. So, and then tonight, to hold the Niners team and to shake Nick Mullins, you know, off of his spot and to hold them to only 20 points is another good showing from the defense. So, I, I do think... Like, the offense can't continue to win this way. They're going to have to score more points, for sure. But the defense is, through four games, playing at a level, I think. You can you can go to the playoffs with this defense. The offense has to improve, but you can go to the to the playoffs with them. Yeah, uh, again, I know we've joked about it, but particularly in this division, you know, it is a real thing. This division is awful. It is so awful. Mm-hmm. And I know Dallas is more talented. Dallas scores than points, though. They I mean, do. They do, but you know what? They suck, man. Dallas sucks. Literally. You are in that, you are I, in yeah, that one tonight. Thank you. you, you thank yeah. you. Thank you. They do, though. I mean, again, look, they're only their defense win. Is awful. Yes, they've had some really nice. Exactly. They've had some really nice comebacks, obviously, and, and almost did it and then, you know, kind of pulled away. But but they've gotten, for the most, the, the vast majority of time spent on the football field this season, they've gotten their butts whooped. They've gotten their butts mm-hmm. with the vast majority of time, and you can't keep putting yourselves in holes like that and, and expect to be able to climb out of it. They certainly have a lot of firepower on offense, but their defense is piss poor, man. It's piss poor. It's a bad defense. So, yeah, I, it's going to be really – again, the Eagles are in first place. We all know. Everyone listening to this podcast right now, you, me, anyone who's watched this team this year knows how bad they've been. I mean, they've been a bad football team. We did a poll on the Midday Show this past week. That do you expect the Eagles record to be 0-5 and 1 after their next three games? You know, obviously prior to, to tonight. Uh-huh. And 75% of people said yes. Like everyone was like, yeah, you know, like, yep, yeah, they're definitely losing the next three. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Right? And and I, I think they really do deserve a lot of credit. Like you said, especially considering the mash unit of a roster that they went out there with. It's unbelievable. We're talking about cornerback, wide receiver offensive line. I mean, they had to move Jalen Mills back to cornerback. We didn't even talk about that. And, and I thought he mm-hmm. played really well. He did a nice job um, for the most part. Um, but So here's a here's an interesting quick little nugget. So uh, Carson Wentz, when he was talking to the media today uh, after the game, 
Do you want to guess how many times? I'll just tell you because you're too good at this. But him and Car- <laughs> Carson and uh, Travis Fulgham repped that touchdown play one time in practice, and it was in touchdown too. So the, the, the Carson went to Travis Fulgham. If you want to know what I – and again, it's easy to say this now. I would have said one if you had asked okay, me. Okay, yeah, I know. Well, I, w- I was worried you would have said zero, and then it would have really like killed my, killed my point. But yeah, um, yeah so look, I, you know, I was on with – with Ike on Friday, and I was like, Travis Fulgham had a nice training camp. And he's like, come on, man, not all these receivers had nice training camps. But the crazy thing is, like, a lot of them did. It just had to, it's taken some time to kind of show. And Travis Fulgham tonight, you know, obviously huge play. Uh, you know, two catchers, 57 yards. Let's see, Greg Ward, four for 38. You know, anytime they're doubling Greg Ward, you know, you got Sheesh. some serious, serious Sheesh. issues at receiver. Uh, Zach Ertz, four catches, nine yards. What do you yeah. think of that? Well, here's what I'm going to say. And again, it, this is no disrespect to Zagger, who is a legitimate true Eagles legend and should go in the Eagles Hall of Fame and has had an amazing career. We can never mention him in the same sentence as George Kittle again. Maybe. So. And look, I know he's older and that's a big part of it. But George Kittle is a is a monster. Zach Ertz is nowhere close to that guy. Like, as a all-around tight end, particularly, but just as an offensive weapon alone, um, George Kittle is terrifying. And and if the Eagles had lost that game, it would have been as much George Kittle's fault as anybody else. I don't get how you covered George Kittle. I know, dude. And then he just he <laughs> runs people over anyway. He's, like, impossible to tackle. He's a well, maniac. on one of those... On one of those plays, it was a deep uh, play to George Kittle. I mean, look, Craven LeBlanc is not an outside cornerback. I get that. But, like, Craven LeBlanc is a cornerback with speed, and Kittle beats him off the line, beats him deep, and, like, gains steps on him as they are running down the field. So, like, you know, coming into the game, everybody was, like, ripping Nate Gary and saying he was going to get, like, smoked. And I think there's way too much focus on Nate Gary. Like, this is a former college safety habit linebacker that they pay, like, $300,000. Like, let's back off with, like, the Nate Gary expectations. But he does I, stink, like, though. Yeah, he, he's not great, all right? <laughs> he's, he, he, he has not had a great start to the season. The but, linebackers in general are, are bad, but go ahead. Yeah, but I guess my point is, like, covering George Kittle is really hard. So, like, yeah, of course Nate Gary was not going to do well against George Kittle. George Kittle, you know, he's, I don't know if he's the toughest player to cover in the league, but I just know watching him tonight, like, he is on a different level than anybody I've seen an Eagle skill position player for a while. Like, I mean, oh maybe Terrell God. Owens. I mean, I'm trying to think of the yeah. last, like, dominant oh physical God. force they had I like mean, that. God. I mean, not like Sean's that. a different kind of thing. But not like, like that. Not like not that. Not like that. That guy's so. a monster. Let's see what they held him to tonight. 15 for 183 and a touchdown. So didn't hold him to much tonight. Yeah. Wow. They got the win. They did. They they did not get the win over George Kittle, though. That's for sure. So Uh, let me ask you this real quick. Yes, yes. What's your optimism level at coming off of this game? We're in first place, Elliot. 10 out of 10. No. 10 out of 10. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, um, The schedule is so hard. Obviously, we've seen a lot of flaws. Um, and they're just so beat up, man. They're so beat up. I mean, like, I would say like, you know, my optimism level is, is, I don't know how like to gauge it. I would guess, I guess five or six out of 10, like a, that I, do I think that they could somehow limp to a division title? Yes. Do I expect them to? No, I still expect Dallas to, to put their talent together somehow and figure it out and be better than the Eagles. But like, 
I don't think it's crazy to think that this team could win the division. I think they'll be in it for a while because it's going to be a horrible, horrible, horrible division. So the optimism level isn't based on thinking this team is any good. It's based on thinking that this division is really, really bad and that, you know, for that reason, we will at least have a season potentially, hopefully, where we're at least somewhat invested because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think that next week is going to go a long way in showing how, how if this is a team we should believe in. Because, again, very, uh, very good stuff from Carson tonight. I thought this was like a Doug game, right? Like, let's never doubt, doubt Doug again. I think this proves, again, that he is not the problem. Like, he's just not the problem with the Eagles right now. Um, I think how he is, and, you know, a win doesn't mask, a win doesn't cover this all up, right? A win doesn't change the fact that the, their receivers were Travis Fulgham tonight, right? Like, that doesn't change that. It doesn't change that Jordan Mailata was starting at left tackle. Like, there are serious issues with this team, and Carson has got to play better. But I think next week does will show, like, can this team continue to win this way? Because you're not going to play Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard every week. Like, it's Ben Roethlisberger. And for as bad as the Cowboys are, like, Dak is playing really well, and the offense scores a lot of points. So the offense is going to have to show they can score more than 18 points just flat out. Yeah, I agree with you, but hundred percent, you nailed it. And look, I, Carson needs to build on it. Doug needs to build on this. Cause look, I think Doug has been a problem at times this season too. Like I'm not willing to, but you know, I've been saying for a while and I still believe it. And tonight, even winning did nothing to dissuade me from the belief that Howie Roseman was the person most responsible for the poor start to the season. He's the person most responsible for the flaws with this team. And he is putting both Doug and Carson in positions where it's harder for them to succeed. Just factually, you mm-hmm. look at what they were out there with last night. I mean, how could you not blame Howie Roseman for that? Trusting Deshaun da- Jackson this year, like that guy is a focal point of your offense. Really? Alshon Jeffrey counting on that guy coming back and making a difference. And look, maybe he's going to play at some point, but I'm he's probably going to play next week. Zero, like, zero hope for dude, him. Just, dude, like, just play Travis Fulgham. Exactly. Travis exactly. Fulgham, like play Travis and Fulgham having no, and, and, and not taking Justin Jefferson and, you know, could be immediately the best receiver on this team right now. And, well, just over and over and over again, mismanaging and neglecting that position for years now. So, yeah, well, I, I blame Howie the most. So this is a larger conversation, not for a post-game pod. but Certainly I, I, not at 1230 at night. Yeah, right. But, yeah. But, but I do think we all have to acknowledge that Justin Jefferson is not Justin Jefferson in Philadelphia. Like, DK Metcalf is not DK Metcalf in Philadelphia. They are better than the players, and they will help. They would help this team. But, like— the passing game because of Carson, it makes it tough for any receiver no, to look good. Know. Like uh, we don't know that. I mean, receivers have looked I, good with Carson. Like we don't know that. I think that's unfair to say. I really. I mean, look. I mean, Carson looked great with Nelson Aguilar in 2017. Carson looked great with Alshon Jeffrey in 2017. I mean, I think you, that yeah, those guys look good with great with Carson. You mean what? Not yeah, that's what I right. said with Carson in 2017. So I I understand your point. I don't think you can say for sure they would be the guys that they are now, but I think you. I don't think you can say it the other way either. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I mean, fair. DK, I gotta, Me- I gotta... DK Metcalf is just a, a freak, man. I mean, that guy is like a – I feel like he would succeed he, he, anywhere. I feel like he yeah, would he's... succeed anywhere. So, anyway, what do you got? I got an offensive line take for you. Oh, okay. a, a sexy offensive line take yeah. for, so, for 1230 Monday morning. People – don't give enough credit to how hard it is not to jump off sides. And what makes me bring that up is the Jordan Mailata jumping off sides in third and one, which is, you know, I think it was like halfway through the second. 
Um, it was brutal. Like, you can't do that, for sure. It's third and one. You're up at the line trying to get them to jump off sides, and you jump. But I do think that we treat jumping off sides as if, like, you know, only an idiot would do it. I think it'd be, it'd be very hard with the quarterback is up there pretending to spike the ball. So that's my that's my offensive line take. I love it. Uh, look, you like it? Yeah, I do. I think in that spot you got to be better. Uh, and you're the guy who knows the play call, so you should not be able to. But I understand, especially someone who's played as little football as Mylotta. I And I thought Mylotta played well for the most part. I was going to say, mean, well, how'd you think he played? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not watching him on every snap or anything like that, but like, it didn't feel like he was a disaster. I don't think the offensive line as a whole was, was very good at all, but I, I don't think he was a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what else you got? You got any other notes or uh, final tidbits or anything well the lane johnson stuff's concerning yeah i mean he's absolutely. in and out of the game uh, at one point they're playing without four of their five starters from week one or who they wanted wow. to be at least their starters uh so that's not great um i mean the lane thing and i'm not a doctor but i thought it was interesting that lane said the reason he didn't play against washington was because the bus ride it really swelled up on him um if you can't ride a bus to Washington. I mean, flying to San Francisco feels like that would potentially impact your ankle. And I know he was able to, you know, at least start and he was in there and then came out and was just kind of like in and out. But I think that's a concern moving forward. But look, Driscoll seems to be playing pretty well. And it's it's hard to know off offensive line play just off the TV tape. But I think Driscoll seems to be playing it at a pretty high level when he goes in there. So, you know, like this is the thing about going with young players is there's going to be bumps and bruises for sure. And you're not going to be like a 14 and two team with young players, but Travis Fulgham tonight caught a game winning touchdown to primetime TV. I don't know if Travis Fulgham is going to end up being a player or not, but he's better because of getting those reps tonight. Like Jack Driscoll is better for getting those reps tonight. Jordan Mailata now has his first career start under his belt. That wasn't happening with Jason Peters on the field. So, you know, there, it will be ugly, but like, Games like this, and this is why I never really subscribe to the, like, tank thing and, you know, just go get the pick and blow it up because a win like tonight is big for Carson, and that's still what matters most for this franchise. Like, Carson is still your franchise quarterback. You're still financially tied to him. Like, we can debate whether they should trade him at the end of the year and if that's, like, a Rogio down, if he can never be a top-10 guy, but there's no debate that the best thing for this team is Carson turns it around and becomes, uh, you know, a top-10 quarterback, right? Like, that's what you want. So even if they win the division at seven, eight and one or whatever they would come out to be, I can't do the math this late at night, but like getting Carson playoff reps is huge. Getting these young guys playoff reps is big. So yeah, I, you know, like I think Jordan Mailata, it's a win for him tonight. Was he great? No. And he probably had some snaps. He went back, but like he was out there and the team didn't crater. So I thought getting those young guys snaps tonight, getting them important snaps and a big win. It's, it's big for the franchise's development. Yeah, I totally agree. And to your point, I, I think there's no question the best possible outcome for this team this season is the playoffs and getting Wentz a chance to get a playoff win and growing guys and, and moving them forward and getting the effort. That's why, you know, getting Rager back and healthy is so important. You know, you want young guys who are going to be hopefully be a part of this team for years to come to get the opportunity to grow, develop, and, and be that much better when you have a team that actually does have a real chance, hopefully, to, you know, be a real true contender. So. Yeah, I am totally with you. Any final thoughts, eh? Yeah, just please stop with the Jalen Hurts stuff. Just, just stop. Yes. Like he's got two fumbles now in and two that weeks. That 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 could have been a massive fumble. Obviously, you know the the Fulgham play came, but that that could have been a a huge moment that we look back on and said, "Wow, they really lost the game because they put Jalen Hurts yeah. in there." And he, it could have happened, and, you know. And Carson's out there, you know, wide receiver like. 
blocking and like kind of pushing back and forth with this guy. Like I don't know, like the guy swipes at Carson's hands and breaks it. Like you know, just 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 let Carson play quarterback. All right, it, it's not been pretty. Carson has to play better. I you know, but just just let him play. Like stop trying to force Jalen Hurts out there. If Jalen Hurts was an undrafted rookie that was the exact same level of athlete, he would not be out there. He is only out there because he's a second round pick. Period. So stop doing it. Cosine. My last thing I will oh. say is, uh, can we stop with the tweeting a thought or a opinion and then just saying that's it, that's the tweet? Just tweet <laughs> the thought or the opinion, okay? You know, yeah. yeah it, Greg Ward is great. That's the tweet. Obviously, you don't need to say that's right. it. That's the tweet. Nope. Are you Nobody with me? Thought on, that I was need, the article. I Nobody thought you, that was the article. Nobody Elliot, thought that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to be with me on this. Are you with me on this? Absolutely. Okay. It is the official it's, it's, go It's along position. the same lines of saying, like, hot take, cold <laughs> Exactly. Just, just, tweet, just tweet your take, whatever it is. Also, don't call it a take. Just yes. tweet your opinion. An opinion is just a, tw- a take is just an opinion. So It is. I've said that forever. Well, James, we have our first to say it. I think we have our first post-game victory. Yeah, how about it? All right, we did it, buddy. First place Eagles. Yes. No, I. It just it is more exciting. You know, it's just more exciting when they win. Just flat Uh, out, it's the best. Like we don't. The week is better. I I was actually smiling watching the Eagles tonight, Elliot. That is not something I have felt much this season, and that's pretty cool. You know. There you go. Well, anything that makes James smile. Hey, okay, that's, what talk- that's what I'm talking about, man. All right. Plus, uh, they fired Clentac this week. So, it's just a uh, big it's, week for it's the James been a, It's been a good weekend. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Uh, make us in an even better mood. Rate and review the podcast. If we get to yes. 2,000 five-star reviews, we will take the SATs, post our scores, make complete fools of ourselves. So, five stars only. Um Please, you know, yell at us, rip us, give us five stars. No, go uh, celebrate the win in the go celebrate yeah. the wins in the review section. Leave five I stars like and tell that. us why you're optimistic about this. Team. I right. like that, and uh, we will be back later in the week with a uh, Steelers pregame pod and uh, make all our picks. Uh, I know that uh, I think I had a slightly better week than you in the picks. Uh, yeah, so. I don't want to talk about it yet. We'll talk uh, about it. I can't wait for that. <laughs> talk about All it right. next time, yeah. Everyone have a great victory week. We'll talk to you guys soon. He's Elliot James. We'll see you later.